Hi, this is Dan Sullivan, and I'm here with Peter Diamandis, and this is Exponential Wisdom. Peter, this is such a great day because we're launching this series for the first time, and ever since I first met you, which is going on three years now, I've had this tremendous desire to be in some sort of setting or some sort of structure where we can just sort of brainstorm about the future, especially as it relates to exponential technology, and today's the day that we're kicking this off. Dan, I agree. You know, it's, uh, it's going to be a joy to have a chance to think and kick ideas back and forth because so often we're on constant receive mode of all this extraordinary information in the world, and this is a chance between us to actually see how that information hits home and changes the way we think about the world and share that with everybody listening. So it's going to be fun, and I'm so excited about this podcast series. Peter, I just want to let you know, and I don't know if you know this, but I've been watching you for quite a number of years because I'm an inveterate web surfer, so, <laughs> and I'm very, very interested with any kind of breakthroughs that people are doing in the world. So I became very, very interested in the work that you were doing with the XPRIZE, which I knew about, and I knew about Singularity University before you actually met Joe, and Joe introduced me to you personally. But for the people who don't know the history, what was the thing that really zeroed you in, first of all, on the whole concept of exponential growth? And then the second thing is the whole notion that the payoff for this is increasing abundance in the world. Yeah, so it's a great question. I grew up really passionate about space, and it drove me. And I've started some 17 companies, as you know, Dan, a lot of them in the space arena. And sort of the notion that it's in this moment in time that the human race is moving irreversibly off the planet. And millions of years from now, we look back and it's now this is happening. It's an extraordinary period of time. But there was always something inkling me in the back. And it was a realization that while space was this big grand goal, there was something else very fundamental, something like energy building up. And it hit me that it really was this explosion of exponential technologies you know, I spent a decade at MIT and Harvard with some of the most amazing people like Eric Drexler, one of the very first thinkers in the field of nanotechnology, had just recruited Ray Kurzweil onto my board at the XPRIZE. And I learned about his new book that had just come out in 2006, 2007 called The Singularity is Near. And I sat down to read it. And it's a book that is, it's like four inch thick tomb, right? And I took it with me on this backpacking trip through Chile, which is like the last long vacation I've taken in a while. But through your work at Strategic Coach, I'm beginning to increase my free days. But in this book, I realized that even my passion around space was going to fundamentally change as all of these technologies were converging. Computers, networks, sensors, artificial intelligence, robotics, digital manufacturing, 3D printing, synthetic biology, all of these extraordinarily powerful tools were literally giving us the abilities as individuals to transform the world, to do anything we wanted to do, to have the power that only governments and large corporations had 20 years ago. And I said, oh my God, this is something I need to focus on. This is the most important thing going on in the world for anyone who's aware, awake, and wants to do something significant. So. It's been the last eight years now that led to the formation of Singularity University and really the fueled the fire of XPRIZE. So that's me. Mm -hmm. And how about you? Well, 
lot of my clients know that just the year before I started coaching, which is 1974, I came across an article in the New York Times, which I read until it fell apart, but it was about this new thing that was emerging in society, which was called the microchip. And up until then, it had been called the integrated circuit. And in 72, this was just about seven years after Gordon Moore had made his what turned out to be an epic prediction about the way that the integrated circuits, the amount of processing units that you could put on a chip was going to keep increasing at an exponential rate anywhere from 18 months to two and a half years. And that the author of the article, and for the life of me, I haven't been able to find that article and I don't remember (laughs) the author's name, but he said, this is the greatest invention that's ever been created for two reasons. Number one, it's an invention that can be applied to every other invention. And the second thing is that it's an invention that's actually used to create itself. So you use the chips you have to create even faster chips. And boy, you know, it was very concise, this article, but he made two predictions. He said the impact of this is going to be extraordinary. And in the next 30 or 40 years, we're going to see a complete disruption of society from the standpoint that large bureaucratic organizations are going to find this very difficult to deal with the impact of the microchip in society, and it's going to release enormous entrepreneurial energies. So there's going to be a upswing of entrepreneurism in all the existing industries, but there's going to be entirely new industries created because of this. And I just read this and read this, and I was a writer at BBDO. I was a copywriter. I'm a good writer, and I enjoyed the advertising field for two or three years. But I said, you know, what I'd really like to do is just go out and talk to business people about the impact of the microchip. And so literally, I don't think I've ever explained this as fully as I'm going to here on Exponential Wisdom. I've tried to create what is the learning framework and the learning model for entrepreneurs so that in this exponential age, they can actually lead very, very centered, very, very focused, very sane lives. And we were on separate paths, but we were kind of converging at a certain point. All of your marvelous research into what the technologies are and the kind of impact. And then my whole notion is how do people actually respond to this? And that is a challenge, right? Because I realize that today, with the amount of enabling technology, and we have to understand, my point of view is that we haven't seen 1% of the change we're going to see in the next decade. So imagine just a hundredfold increase in this following decade of the kind of change we've had in the last decade, that technology can enable you to do more and more and more to the point at which every microsecond of your life, you're doing not one thing, but two or three things. There's this explosion of opportunity and this explosion of enablement. And you have to actually start to limit what you choose to do because it's an exponential on exponential and you can it can explode your life in a way that gets out of control so one of the things that i count on strategic coach for is really helping me decide where i focus what i do and how to simplify my life at the same time that i can do much more We've talked about this, Peter, and I'd just like to go back to some previous conversations you've had, is that 
one of the biggest obstacles that you encounter in your work. And to a certain extent, if anybody has seen Peter's TED Talk, it's one of the greatest of the TED Talks that they ever featured, where I guess that was kind of like your real explosion on the world stage, wasn't it? My coming out party. Yeah, it was the coming <laughs> coming out party, and anybody can just go to TED and look up Peter, and it's a really, really great 18 minutes, I think, because that's all they let you have. And one of the things that really strikes me is that the evidence of abundance is all around us, and we'll get in each of these podcasts you have a marvelous set of charts which show the explosion of abundance in every area of human life. But one of the things that you encounter is that people are not actually experiencing that abundance in their personal lives, the way that they're looking at their past, their present, and their future. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because I wonder if that came to you as a surprise, because you're kind of someone who doesn't really see obstacles that much. You just sort of see opportunities, but that's not true for everybody. Great question, Dan. I have a unique perch that I've seen the world from, and it is a perch set by three different parts. One side, it's the XPRIZE Foundation that I run, where we look at what the world's biggest problems are. And my fundamental belief is there is no grand challenge. There is no problem that we cannot solve, period end of statement. It's a matter of getting the right minds and capital and technology focused on it, but that's what we humans do. We solve problem after problem after problem, and XPRIZE is a platform that puts up these challenges and says, I don't care who you are, where you went to school, if you solve this problem. And I watch as innovators dozens to hundreds of teams who have no background, who bring different capabilities to the table, attack and work on and ultimately solve the problem. That's one side of my background. The other side is running Singularity University up in Silicon Valley. We can talk more about that later, but we have 5,000 grad students who compete for 80 spots, and they're the most brilliant in the world using these exponential technologies, and we ask them to start a company, a product, or a service that could positively impact the lives of a billion people in a decade. We call it 10 to the ninth plus impact. And then the companies I've started, you know, for private space flight, for human longevity, for prospecting asteroids. And it hit me that scarcity is a false concept, that scarcity is really contextual, that whatever you think of as scarce, you can truly figure out a mindset and figure out a technology to transform it from scarcity to abundance. And the book Abundance that I co-authored with Stephen Kotler was a chance for me to hope people change the way they view the world. And one of the ideas that I learned about in Strategic Coach that I love is the concept of when people are living in the gap, when you're comparing where you are to infinity, you can never approach that. But if you really compare to where you've been to where you are, you can see your progress along the way. And I was talking with a core member of my team, Marissa Brassfield, and, and we were realizing that the same concept exists with scarcity. My goal is for people to realize when they're thinking in scarcity, they can stop and say, okay, I've got a scarcity mindset and I need to figure out how do I flip it? How do I change it into abundance? Mm -hmm. And I would posit to anybody that there is nothing that is truly scarce. It's a matter of mm -hmm. whether it's capital, whether it's energy, whether it's expertise, whether it's resources, all those things, one can realize there's a judo move, there's a technology you can apply, there's a platform you can use to transform scarcity to abundance. It seems to me that we're talking about a couple different communities here. On the one hand, there's the people who have a scarcity mentality just because 
of the general economic conditions that they live in. And these radically differ from each other around the planet from what kind of country you're living in, what city you live in, in that country. So you have that one aspect of scarcity. But the other one is really interesting, Peter. And when I enter into your world, I'm looking at it more as an outside observer. And I've noticed a lot of the people who are involved in the actually the some of the furthest reaches of technology also have a scarcity mentality in relationship to time and opportunity. Joe Polish has a term that he uses, and he calls it Tom Syndrome. And Tom Syndrome is terrified of missing shit. And what I, <laughs> and I think that's a scarcity attitude, you know, that somehow the really important things that are happening in life and in the world are not where you are right now. They're not happening where you are. It's happening somewhere else. And that's another form of scarcity that I'm missing out on something. Do you find that because this is the ocean that you swim in on a daily basis, do you find there are these two extreme different forms of scarcity in relationship to exponential growth? Of course, the challenge with being hyper-connected in the world today is that you can really know everything that's going on. It's harder and harder to keep a secret and you have technologies and extraordinary breakthroughs co-developing in companies and countries around the world. And there's a moment in time right now where I'm watching everything we've dreamed about, everything that has been written about in science fiction beginning to materialize. There's so much wealth and so much capabilities in the hands of so many people, and they're all racing to do the next coolest, biggest thing. And I think the opposite of the Tom syndrome is the realization that you can actually sit back and enjoy and watch it happen and then become a consumer of it when it does happen. So I don't necessarily need to be developing the Earth to orbit spacecraft that will get me up there because I know either Bezos or Musk or Paul Allen will make that happen and I'll be able to buy it commercially when it does. I think the most important thing that people don't get is find out what you're most passionate about and then go and focus and do that mm -hmm. because once you've been extraordinarily successful in that passion, you can trade your success in extending the health human lifespan or whatever it might be for the cool stuff someone else is doing. One of the things, Peter, because you've been on this road really longer than anyone else I know of noticing the impact of exponential change and then following it along in a very, very concentrated, focused way for eight years. What are three things, I always like to ask people three things. If you had to identify three insights that you've developed over the last eight years that you did not know or you did not see when you started, what would the first one be? The first is, I mean, there's a finesse, right? It's over the last, I will call it decade, last five years, it's a real fundamental understanding that the only constant is change and the rate of change is increasing. And this is a really hard thing for people to realize. We all tend to think of what we have in our hands today, the technology in our cell phone, our digital cameras, our GPS, the software, as the end-all, be-all. This is like we've reached perfection. But the fact of the matter is, it's just a point in time. It's going to be a thousand times better in a decade, a million times better in 20 years, a billion times better in 30 years. So the only constant is change, and the rate of change is increasing. The second thing is that every company 
every product, every service, every single one will become disrupted, will become obsoleted. So you either are going to disrupt yourself or someone else will. And then the third is what I summarize in my six Ds. And I'll just maybe mention these now and we can discuss it if you want some more, but it's the notion that whatever becomes digitized, whatever becomes ones and zeros, replicable by a computer effectively for free, manipulatable by a computer, ones and zeros, digital information, not paper and pencil, not analog, enters a period of deceptive growth while it's the doubling of small numbers that then becomes disruptive growth. And when these exponential technologies become disruptively growing, they dematerialize, demonetize, and democratize products, services, and industries. And it changes everything constantly. So the six Ds really are the summary, if you would, of the way I view exponentials, the way I view sort of the whole topic of this podcast, Exponential Wisdom, how we need to think in this exponential time. Mm -hmm. So these are the three. And I just want to let everybody know that the six Ds is going to become one of the constant structures that we're going to talk about as we go through this Exponential Wisdom series. If you want to get a real quick update on what Peter is talking about here in a more full way. Can you talk a little bit about Bold? Because we bought a thousand copies and sent them out to the top of our list in Strategic Coach. And I think I told everybody, you know, this is your book of the year. So could you just talk about Bold? Because most people got to know you through abundance, but Bold is really a really great explanation of the three things that you just talked about. Absolutely. I had a real extraordinary experience with abundance. It hit the top of the New York Times list. So, you know, abundance is a view of where the world will be in 20 or 30 years. Stephen Kotler, my co-author, and I realized it's really important to show people how to get there. So bold, the subtitle of which is how to go big, create wealth, and impact the world, is really a how-to manual on how entrepreneurs, how the people that you coached, and specifically, can actually implement and impact the world. Bold is the realization that today in our hands we have technology that only the largest governments and corporations had 20 years ago. That today, if you want to become a billionaire, you can help a billion people, the world's biggest problems, the world's biggest business opportunities. And Bold's broken into three parts. The first is a look at the exponential technologies, things like 3D printing, AI, sensors, networks, synthetic biology. And I talk about how people who have got no technological background can actually utilize these technologies that allow them to scale at an extraordinary rate. And so, again, the first part is about bold technologies. The second part of the book is about the bold mindset. And here I have interviews and an analysis of people I've worked with, amazing individuals, Larry Page and Elon Musk, both of which are my board at XPRIZE, Richard Branson, who bought the rights to the winning Spaceship One, Jeff Bezos, who is one of the co-founder, was one of the early members of SEDS, my first organization ever, who now runs Amazon. And I look about how these extraordinary entrepreneurs who start with nothing and have become really transformative figures on the planet, how they think at scale, how they use different mindset than most people, and identify eight different elements that they have in common. I look at how Google X, Google Skunk Works, works. I have a extensive interviews with Astro Teller, who runs Google Skunk Works, called Google X. I look at Lockheed Skunk Works, 
and how they did incredibly impossible things, building the first jet, the SR-71, the, the U-2. And then we talk about everything I've learned in starting 17 companies and raising hundreds of millions, well over half a billion dollars of capital for my startups. How I did that, concepts like stone soup, and I won't go into all of these, but how you give birth to your crazy big idea above the line of super credibility. And then the final part of the book, the third part, is about the bold crowd. It's the notion that today you can have access to any kind of expertise you need through crowdsourcing. You can raise millions of dollars through crowdfunding. In 2012, there was $2.8 billion in crowdfunding. This year, it is going to be hitting $15 billion, upwards of $100 billion by 2020. Amazing growth. And then finally, your ability to use incentive prizes, whether it's an X Prize or an Hero X platform competition to get the world to compete to solve your problem. And so it's really about how you play really big at a new level as an entrepreneur. You know, the thing that really strikes me, Peter, about this, I've kind of been on this path for over 40 years, at least as it relates to the microchip. But when I was at Singularity University, where you and Ray Kurzweil put on two marvelous days of giving everybody as much an overview as as you were able to do over that period of time about the room was filled up with people who run businesses and lead normal lives. And to me, that really seems to be the right audience because the converted are already involved in the development. The vast majority of people are involved in the activities that they grew up into and the companies that they founded. But what I loved about what you did and actually gave us the idea of Abundance 360, which we can talk about in just a few minutes, the whole aspect about it, this has actually been going on for a long time. And that's what I was so struck by was Ray's notion of where this accelerating growth path started. And I call it the Kurzweil curve because I like to come up with snappy names. But it's actually a growth curve, an accelerating growth curve that goes way, way, way before the microchip in terms of recent history. Can you just talk about that? Because we're going to talk about that a lot. Even though it seems like it's new, it's actually been going on for quite a long time. Yeah, happily, I'll mention, Dan, that you are the far, far, far exception to the rule, right? You got into this and you saw what was coming way before 99.999% of the world. Kudos to you on that. And the challenge is that question I'll come back to you afterwards is how do you keep up to date? Because most people go to school for four years, maybe go to graduate school, and they assume their education is over. But the fact of the matter is your education has to be continuous. And Singularity University really is a place that Ray and I co-founded. Ray is the chancellor. I serve as the executive chairman. We're backed by Google, by Autodesk, 3D Systems, Genentech, amazing companies. And we focus on exponential technologies, those technologies doubling in power every 12 to 24 months. And... You mentioned Moore's Law earlier. Gordon Moore, who was the co-founder of Intel in 1965, writes this article that says, hey, the number of transistors we're putting on integrated circuits is doubling roughly every 18 months between 1958 and 1965. He looked at this pattern over eight years. And that pattern has held true for 50 years. And so for the last 50 years, Moore's Law for integrated circuits exists. And what you pointed out correctly is that Ray went back in time into the late 1800s for the first electromechanical computers. And then the 
relay computers and then the vacuum tube and then the transistor and then the integrated circuit. And we're in the fifth paradigm of computational power. And if you look over the last 110, 120 years, you can watch this exponential growth of the computational power as it's continually growing independent of what's going on in the world, right? You can't see on this curve, on Kurzweil's curve, you can't see World War I or World War II or the boom times, the recessions. It's just faster computers building faster computers. And it's extraordinary. Yeah. I really like history. So I like to go back to show people that if they've been asleep, they've been asleep for a long time. You know, it's not it's not that they just missed what was happening during the last five years. Is that this started 50 years before I was born, and I'm older than a lot of our listeners right here. We're coming up on the end of our first podcast, Peter, and I'd just like to give a little bit of overview of just generally what we're going to talk about as we go forward including the second podcast that we're going to do. But one thing, I just came up with an idea, and I suggested it to you, and you were enthusiastic about it. I think, personally, what I observe is that we're entering into a new era of human progress where it's not human-human teamwork. It's actually human technology teamwork, and we're watching the people who are being happily and successfully and highly rewarded in their employment. We're seeing people who are being deprived of employment altogether. And my feeling is that the dividing line is whether the individuals are actually good at what I call human technology teamwork. I just, maybe you could say a few words about that. Yeah, it's a great point. We are in a co-evolution with technology, have been for some time, ever since the written word and you know it's not normal for a human to fly at 700 miles an hour at 39,000 feet. That's a coevolution with technology, or to be able to have access to instant information anytime. And I think that coevolution is going to continue at length. We're working at the X Prize right now on an AI X Prize, artificial intelligence X Prize, which would really be about the collaboration between humans and AI. And I think that that is really going to define everything. There's a great curve that you shared with me, Dan. I have in my current, the newest edition of Abundance, a whole set of curves of what I call evidence for abundance. And I look for this all the time. I look for the data that shows people that we're living in an extraordinary world, even though the news media, and we'll talk about the negativity bias in a future podcast, that the news media is constantly giving us all this negative news about every murder, every problem on the planet. But the fact of the matter is the data is showing us how much better it is getting. There's an economist from the University of Illinois in Chicago. Her name is Deirdre McCloskey, and she's done the best job of any economist that I've ever seen of explaining why roughly 220, 230 years ago, all of a sudden, the things on the planet just took off and went exponential. And it really had to do with a confluence of forces, but they happened mainly in, in the low countries, in Holland and also in Great Britain. But in Great Britain, the key thing was the invention of the steam engine because the first time human beings actually had a multiplier technology. Steam could replace 50, 100, 500 horses in virtually every area of human activity. And then she, there was just this little graph that shows what happened to personal productivity, profitability, and income per person 
around the planet starting right about the time that the U.S. became the U.S. It's right around 1770, 1780. And it's just almost like a straight line if you compact two centuries into a graph. For the U.S., it's almost like a straight line up where the average income just prior to 1800 was probably $1,000 range, and that would be per capita income. And now it's 45 times bigger in the United States right now. And you have Europe. Europe is also not quite the same curve. And then the world, which is the really interesting part, it's the jump in the entire world. One billion people in 1800 exceeding seven billion now. So you've added another six billion people, but they're incredibly better off. And it just seemed to me like this was the mother of all evidence of abundance was just this one graph and all of the graphs that you have, which are just fascinating because if you take them all and put them in a 360 degree circle, it just basically describes improvement in every area of human life. It is, and I love the graph that you pulled for our first Evidence of Abundance conversation. Again, what people don't realize is, historically, if you wanted to double productivity, you doubled the number of oxen or doubled the number of people doing something, and the Industrial Revolution changed that, and now the Digital Revolution is adding a brand new hockey stick on top of this hockey stick that we're not seeing. And we're going to see then AI adding a hockey stick on top of that. And we're, I think it's very difficult to feel when you're in the midst of this, this rate of change that we're enabling. Mm -hmm. But it's the realization that as a human in the future, we are going to be able to think of what we desire and have that materialize. I mean, I like to remind people that we're living in a magical time, right? I wiggle my fingers over a keyboard and whatever I was thinking shows up the next morning at my doorstep. And wiggling over a keyboard is me typing into Amazon and what I'm thinking of is ordered and then the next morning FedEx delivers it. That's insane. Mm -hmm. But imagine now where I can start to describe what I'm looking for and an AI helps craft it in three-dimensional CAD and then it's 3D printed and manufactured instantly for me. We're all going to become creative agents. We're all going to become manufacturers, producers, and and we're just really at the beginning of the golden age. It's an amazing time. Peter, I always like to commit to people what it is that we're going to provide to them. And I like committing to things that I don't quite know how to pull off yet. And I, <laughs> and, Sounds good. And I think that, you know, I'm kind of like a mini-me version of you because you get up in front and say, I'm giving away $30 million and you have the foggiest idea where the check's going to come from. <laughs> but I, you know, in my own way over the years, I've always led with commitment and then expected to go through a period of courage. So why don't we just put ourselves on the line here to sign off from this first one and just say that what each of us is committing, and we've already got a prior commitment that we're going to spend the next 25 years creating stuff. So we can do this totally within the time frame that we've already structured. No, it's uh, one of the things I, I love, Dan, I fully credit you with helping me create the Abundance 360 Summit, the executive mastermind that I do for 250 CEOs every January. And your notion, which I grasped onto instantly and said, absolutely, I committed to doing that two-day event in January for the next 25 years to help those people I have a chance to coach in this exponential abundance world uh, understand 
what's going from deceptive to disruptive that year. And I think what I'll commit to in this podcast is bringing to you for conversation what I'm hearing the drumbeats out of Silicon Valley, out of SU, out of XPRIZE that are the most exciting things I've heard this week. So we can talk about what are the implications of that mm-hmm. and what does it mean? So we have a lot of industries being disrupted, a lot of meta trends that are transforming the fundamentals of life. And I think I'm going to bring to this conversation with you, because I love the way you think, the ones that are most exciting or the ones that are most troubling, and really go back and let's pick them apart and figure out how that's going to change our world. Yeah, and from my standpoint, because my specialty is I'm basically a toolmaker, you know, I'm a thinking toolmaker. And what I love to do is to hear information from the world, especially the world that you're living in, Peter, and kind of making that thought or that breakthrough an actual process that people can think through for themselves and actually apply to their daily life. So that really is the basis for the name of this series, that it's technology, but it's a wise response, a wise adaptation to technology so that As you said, you know, in terms of the space entrepreneurs who are going to be putting up the ships, you don't actually have to create the spaceships because other people are doing this, but you just want to have the mindset that you're actually ready for the first ship to go up that's actually going to take you as a passenger. So I think that that's a very, very nice metaphor for us is that we're all on a spaceship, but not everybody's, first of all, not everybody is really clued into the fact that they're on a spaceship, even as they're sleeping in their beds at night, they're on a spaceship. But the other thing is that this can be a really horrendous trip, or it can be an incredibly exciting and enjoyable trip. And I, I think my commitment, and I know yours is too, is just to make the space flight that we're all on now as human beings a really enjoyable one, and one that has a great deal of meaning significance and satisfaction for everybody. Absolutely, my friend. That sounds perfect. So this is Peter and Dan, and this is the first episode of the Exponential Wisdom. Make sure you go to Amazon and buy your copy of Bold. And also, we're almost at the 80% mark, Peter, for selling out for Abundance 360. So if anybody out there who is really listening, you're running a business, you're an entrepreneur, and you're deeply interested in having a two-day exposure with a terrific audience. And Peter just brings in stars in every one of these exponential industries who explains it. So where can they go to get more information on Abundance 360? The website's just a360.com, a360.com. And it's, you know, the program... We fill up about six months in advance. Last year, we had about 40 people on the waiting list that signed up and filled the first 40, and we had about a 75% renewal rate on the day of the program Mm -hmm. this year. So very, very proud of that. And for me, I spend all of 2015 looking for the coolest, most important technology people need to know about in January 2016 and lay that out. I enjoy it. It drives me. It's fun. This equally... Dan, this podcast is going to be a blast. And Mm -hmm. so excited to have done our first one and looking forward to our next one. Thank you.